Welcome to The Power of Stories, a podcast by women, about women, and for women. Their voices and their stories. I am Sharon Catherine D'Agostino, a passionate advocate for the empowerment of women and girls everywhere and the founder of SayItForward.org. And I'm Yodit Kifle-Smith, a creative dedicated to making sure the voices and stories of women are heard. I have the privilege of working with Sharon on SayItForward.org to do just that. In this podcast, you will meet courageous women from around the world whose unique path to empowerment will leave you encouraged and inspired. We are excited to welcome Theodora Bainia-Misa joining us from Virginia. Theodora is a first-generation Ghanaian-American community and women's public health and impact professional. She's a birth worker entrepreneur and family caregiver. She's also deeply committed to helping pregnant, birthing, and postpartum women and their families navigate reproductive and maternal health care particularly postpartum healing and recovery with doula support, community care, and education. Theodora, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with y'all. Theodora, we are so excited to talk with you. The first question that I have is about your passion for maternal health care. What sparked your interest initially, and how long ago was that spark lit? It goes all the way back to just family. I grew up in a big family. I'm number five of like 15 grandchildren. My grandma had seven children. A lot of babies were born. I spent a lot of time with my mom, with my grandma, like being the runner, going and getting stuff um, while we cared for an auntie or a cousin or someone in our community who had just given birth. And it wasn't until I kind of went off to college that I was like, oh, this is actually like a profession. (laughs) Um, This is a field of caring for people in community. So really just growing up in a big family, that's where it all started. Also like seeing the needs of people as I got older and as not everybody had this community. Everyone doesn't have people that come around and care for them. We see that in U.S. statistics in maternal health care. So yeah, I just kind of grew into it. And then as I got more knowledge about it, I was, whoa, this is an area of public health, which just feels natural to me. You know, when you found out that, okay, people make a living in being able to support mothers and giving care, how did you come into actually wanting to do this when I was in college, I interned at WIC, Women, Infants, and Children. And I went to school in Charlottesville in like a small town in Virginia. And when I was at WIC, there would be a lot of immigrant families coming in and the needs were very different. And I remember just plugging in wherever I could as the intern, but one of um, the staff members are like, oh, you are our clinic doula. And I was like, what is that? (laughs) It sounds so weird, but she told me what a doula was. And then when I like graduated and I went into um, like global health, I worked with a lot of midwives and that word came up again. They were like, you're the doula of our project, of our organization. And I was, what is this doula? And that's when I actually like started to like look into it a little bit more. So I thought I would be a doula like maybe way later in life after I had my children and maybe after I retired. 
I moved to New York later in life. And when I moved to Brooklyn in particular, I found just a beautiful community of people, again, calling me a doula and calling me in. And we definitely say doulas are calling. It was hearing people name me as such, but then it took a while for me to be like, okay, I'm ready to step into this role from discovering what it isn't to hold people in community, what it could look like in public health, to now me trying to like do this myself as a doula and figuring out what that means, what areas I can support people in as well. So that's fascinating. So you have a lot of people giving you a label and a responsibility before you accept that label and that Mm -hmm. responsibility. So do you remember a moment where you said, okay, well, this is what I'm going to study because this is how people see me. When I moved to Brooklyn, New York, it was like, we need you. (laughs) You're already doing this. Um, I've always volunteered in like women's shelters. One of my eye doctors who I've had since I was 10 and knows my family, he was like, it makes sense for you to be a doula and do this type of work. Did you also find that because you were constantly in community that you had a harder time, like truly understanding like who you were as an individual? Yes. And I think more as an adult, I'm like, oh, actually, like that was the role I was given. But what's the role I want to do for myself? being named it and then stepping into it, it took me a while to step into it because I was, oh, that's what I'm always doing. And now I'm going to do that as like a profession, as my business. And it's quite interesting because sometimes we have to like name ourselves as what people are already naming us. And my business name is Sayari Boadula Care, which is pulls on a con words from Ghana, but it essentially means healing support. And the Bois is actually my middle name, which means support or help in our language. And at one point I was like, why am I always supporting people? Why am I always helping people? Like it feels a lot. But in getting to know myself more and what I wanted to do, I decided to reclaim it and reshape that name for myself. For many women who are in caring and helping professions, There is an inherent challenge of ensuring that they care for themselves. Mm -hmm. What do you do to care for yourself? I do that a lot with baths. I like making like herbal baths with Epsom salt. I'm, I'm really big into nature too, going to the beach. If I'm not near a beach, just walking by a lake or just walking outside with no headphones. Just taking time to pause, really. It's essential because I have to fill my cup up first as a care worker and caregiver and birth worker before I can give to other people. People see you as this helper and nurturer. And and then there are times when perhaps you have set boundaries of just when you will help and when you will be there for someone. (laughs) And have you dealt with experiences where setting those kind of boundaries in your life may have impacted the dynamic of relationships within your life? I think it's harder to set boundaries as a caregiver than it is as a birth worker. But even sometimes I just need to put a post on the door and be like, please, no one's coming in. Like, this is my time to work. But it does shift the dynamic. When we work together in community, like, we have to respect each other's boundaries. If we're not willing to respect each other's boundaries, we can't keep the relationship healthy. Then that's when burnout comes in. That's when people start feeling resentful. 
So definitely I've experienced it in family caregiving. And then professionally, I think as a doula, we set boundaries as much as we can. Like we can be available by phone or text, but maybe not phone call all the time. I think it's a little bit different when you're working with birth clients as opposed to postpartum, but it takes some work, but you can set those boundaries for yourself. And um, when we're working in right community, people will honor those boundaries to keep the relationship healthy. You mentioned being a family caregiver and many adults and children around the world have had this experience of being a caregiver for someone in their family. And it's a challenging role. How do you handle that role? I think it comes with ebbs and flows. I've been a family caregiver a couple of different times, more shorter instances where like maybe a parent just had surgery and then they need a little bit of recovery. This one's a little bit longer. I also got to caregive in community with my family for my grandma at the end of her life. And that was really beautiful to take turns. I think my caregiving now is a longer stretch. I caregive primarily with my mom and and kind of just checking each other. My dad was in the hospital recently and unfortunately has been in and out of the hospital. And my mom and I have a system where she goes in the morning and like gets him breakfast and talks to doctors. And I tend to go in the evening and like get him food if we've made him food at home and bring it. And I have siblings and if they're here, they'll usually do the afternoon shift. So trying to just divide it up by who's available and like letting other people live their life and do the things that they need to do so that we can still have our days, you know, period times where it's not possible. Our days are just disrupted. It's just full on care. And the focus is on the person who needs it. That's life. I think our culture, being from an African culture, like we just learn to care in communities. And sometimes that's the beauty of having intergenerational families because you learn from a young age how to like tap in and care. Learning the boundaries is the hard part. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned that you loved, was it cooking with your grandmother or just spending time with your grandmother? And I I'm, you know, would love to hear what is some just the wisdom that your grandmother has shared with you that has carried you to become who you are today? My grandma was an entrepreneur in Ghana before she came here. She had a bakery business that she started and also did with other women in our community. And I think one of the things that she always said is you should cook and like have food ready in your house because you never know who's going to come visit you and you want to just have things (laughs) ready for them to eat so that you can enjoy their company while they're they're there. And I think just really teaching me and our family how to care for other people. I think I come from a family of caregivers and that's definitely the legacy that my grandma left with us. I think I wish I had her around now a lot more as I'm on this entrepreneurial journey because I would love to be able to hear more wisdom from her on that side. It takes a lot of courage to be an entrepreneur. How did you decide to take that leap? You know, I've done this maternal health work for over 13 years in different ways, global health, community health, and there's still so many gaps. There's still so many people's needs not being considered. I think as a first generation, I just still see like language access isn't always there. Some of the issues that are really big in my community, but we don't talk about it outside of our community. 
are there and creeping in, but no one's talking about it. Um, just recently, I went to a talk about FGMC, like genital mutilation and cutting. And I've had conversations with people in my community, like, I want to be that doula that has that more of this information. And it's been hard. It's like a, a very small group of people that are now putting their heads together. Like, how can we get more information and support people? But these are issues that exist in my community, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think just seeing that as I'm like progressing in my career, but these issues aren't getting the attention that they need because people don't necessarily look like me or in leadership. I don't know. I need solutions. I'm a solutions oriented person. I need to at least try and see if that's something I could offer my community. I think it also helps that both my grandparents on both sides of my family are entrepreneurs. My mom has been an entrepreneur throughout my life. So it's a jump for me. It's been a jump for them, but it's in our bones. When it gets really hard and I'm like, is this working? I'm like, I could try again. I have the courage to try again and see if I could give this one more shot. It's not easy and it's not for everyone either. What gives you the courage to say, I'm going to talk about these things and I'm going to bring to light these things? Like, what has helped you in? Yeah, being confident in your voice in that. As I get deeper into my doula work and birth work, I have friends that come up to me and have like these very hushed conversations. I had a friend come up to me that was, mm, I know I should be getting my well woman visits, but like, I don't really want to. And I've not really ever done it. There are conversations that are already happening in my community. And because I've been doing this in so many different ways, institutionally, organizationally, community-wise, I have more strategies and elders with more wisdom that can help me find my way forward in this. And I want to do it for my friends and for myself, because if we have these issues, then who else has them? Other people do too, you know, they're just, don't, might not have a space to talk about it or anybody to even voice it to. Part of what you do, I can imagine, as a birth worker and doula is help women have realistic expectations for themselves. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us how you do that? Any outcome that we're talking about, I think it's really important to talk to the person and understand what's their vision for what they're experiencing. If it's pregnancy, what's your vision for your pregnancy? What's your vision for your birth? A lot of times um, when you're working with a birth doula, they'll help you make a birth plan. When I'm working with postpartum clients, what's your vision for your postpartum? And really it's just this process in this magic space that gets people to think, what do I want for myself? What don't I want? Maybe let's start there. You know, mm -hmm. I think a lot of stuff is marketed to everyone about pregnancy, about motherhood, about postpartum, but what do you actually want? Like, who do you want to be there? What foods do you want to eat? Do you want visitors? Just really making that space to talk with them. And I think that's the magic of doula and birth work. It's the emotional and community space. We explore that in our time together, you know, and then I defend it and advocate for it after you've decided what you wanted. Yeah, there's all these idealizations and it's not helpful. It makes people feel like maybe they're missing out or they don't have enough information. And it's already so confusing in our busy world with like a broken U.S. healthcare system to have to also contend with these idealizations. But really, it's these prenatal sessions, we call them if you're doing work with a birth doula, but I call them postpartum planning sessions. 
where we have a plan that we follow, but it's really just a dream state. Um, mm. What is your imagination for what you want your birth to look like? What's your imagination for what you want your postpartum time to look like? And how we can plan to have people there to hold you in communities is mm. really important. And also educating them that some of these things are marketed to you and we need to focus on other areas so that we can protect you and nourish you and help you heal instead of buying this gadget or snapping back or doing all these things that aren't helpful. How can we all encourage other women and girls to confidently use their voice and claim their power? First, believe that you are unique. And you have gifts to share in this world. In birth work, the birth that I've seen, like you see it immediately. Like every single being that's born into this world is special. They come with their own gifts. You see how they already transform their families, the room. So you already have this inherent power within you. And your voice is just this tool that you have to share that gift and power with the world. And actually, you don't have to share it with the world. You can start really small, share it with your community. I think also like find your people that you feel safe to use your voice with and that will listen to you and like support you and uplift you. And on the other side of that, I think of the community that might be receiving someone that's finding their voice and in their power. Let's believe them and celebrate them. It's really hard to get up and say something or come up with a solution. So let's believe people and support them and listen to them. Theodora, thank you so much for being with us and just sharing your passion for the work that you do. It's so, so needed. I'm a mother of a one-year-old now. The postpartum journey is something that I've become passionate about. (laughs) Um, And so I'm just grateful that there are people like you who are educating and providing safe spaces and community to expecting moms. So thank you so much for being with us. Um, I loved what you said about using your voice. You know, oftentimes it's share it with the world, but no, like share it with the person next to you, share it with your community. I love that. So thank you. And to our listeners, as always, thank you for making the time to listen to this episode of the Power of Stories podcast. Thank you both for having me. Theodora, I add my huge thanks as well for the time that you have spent with us and the stories that you've shared. We should all know and believe that we are unique. We're grateful to you for sharing your special gifts and your really wonderful work with us. So thank you so much. Yodit, thank you very much for everything and especially for walking this path with me. And we also thank the co-producer and editor of the Power of Stories podcast, Lisa DeJavine, for the work that she does. Theodore, is there any message you would like to leave our listeners with? One of my favorite books that I pull from a lot for my doula work is by a Nigerian author. She has this book that's called The Joys of Motherhood. And the main woman in story when she was giving birth to one of her children, her neighbor comes and helps her. And afterwards, she was like, why did you help me? And her neighbor was like, we're sisters in this pilgrimage walking together. Why would we not help each other? And I think of that so much when I heard about this podcast and wanted to share my story. And to our listeners, we invite you to visit sayitforward.org 
a place where you are welcome to share one or more stories about your unique path to empowerment, or you can read the stories of other women and girls. This is Sharon Catherine D'Agostino and Yodit Kifle-Smith signing off for now and hoping you'll join us for our next episode of the Power of Stories podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we do hope you'll give us a review and recommend the Power of Stories to a friend. And lastly, we want to remind you of the power of your stories.